let's go by the skin. Um, do we have a click? No, no click? Okay. So uh, make sure that we know what is this about, the history of the health history of the skin, a patient that comes with a complaining about moles or uh, rash or a patient that comes to you because he's losing hair or that maybe the nails are brittle and they're broken very easy, right? So it's a patient that is looking for a dermatologic examination, right? So uh, we, we're going to learn how to conduct the examination of the skin, the hair and nails and uh, identify the normal findings, the normal color of the skin, the normal uh, appreciation of the skin, the moisture, the elasticity, the texture of the skin. As well, we're gonna learn how to identify a little bit of common pathological uh, conditions of the skin. Common, like uh, what is a primary lesion, what is a secondary lesion, what is a raised lesion that you can palpate? What is a flat lesion that you only describe, but you cannot feel it? You see it, but when you palpate, you don't, you don't, you know, you don't feel this lesion rise. Um, so we're gonna go, and uh, of course, we talk about this in the anatomy the other day. It's a uh, 60%. 16% of the total weight of our body, the skin is a huge, the, you can say the largest organ of the body, uh, protects uh, protection uh, and endocrine function, uh, uh, thermoregulation, uh, uh, the sensation as well, because at this point we know all the corpus skill we have the, the special receptors, sensory receptors we have in the skin. We have the pilosebaceous glands uh, at the level of the dermis. We know at this point uh, all the layers of the epidermis are the differentiation of this. Uh, why I'm talking about endocrine function? Because vitamin D is considered a hormone. That's why. So the first step of the activation of vitamin D happens in the skin, okay? With the inflection or uh, with the beautiful work of the um, ultraviolet rays, okay? So excretion of all of these electrolytes by the sweat, when we are sweating we are excreting sodium, we are excreting potassium, we are excreting all of this, so it, this is very important. The skin is not only part of the skin, it's not only what we see, but the mucous membrane as well, right? Mucous membrane are part of the skin, like the mouth, like the conjunctiva, like the vaginal tract, all of this where we have mucous membrane, this is part of the skin. Uh, interesting point that, uh, let me tell you about this, at the 
time tomorrow we're going to inspect and palpate the skin, we are not going to do the, the hair. Understand? We are not going to do the scalp. Because this is together, goes together with the head. Okay? The head and neck. That's why we are not going to touch the hair tomorrow. Are we going to learn how to do it? Maybe. But essentially, we're going to focus more in the other part of the inspection of the skin. Understand what I'm saying here? Okay. The, um, the inspection as well of this mucous membrane that belong to the face, like the case of the oropharynge or oropharynx or, or the oramucosa or the nasal mucosa, we are not going to check this tomorrow with the skin. All of these are going to go with the head and neck. Understand? That's why we have uh, all of this separate and we're going to follow the rubric. And this is going to be the step number 16. The steps are going to be uh, you know, increasing every time, and this is very important. So, um, what else we have? A little bit of anatomy and physiology, we talked about this the other day, uh, the epidermis with the layers, the important differentiation over here is that the thicker skin in the body is located where? Palm of the hand and soles, right? Soles and palms. So over there we have a unique strata, stratum, sorry, stratum. That is stratum lucidum. Okay, the clear layer over there in the in the palms and soles. So uh, the location of the pilocybaceous glands is at the level of the dermis as well as the majority of the sensory receptors, all of these are very special neurons. They are sensory neurons. Okay, so remember the characteristic of the corneum. The corneum is the outermost layer of the epidermis and there we have 20 to 30 layers of these keratinocytes full of keratin and we are shedding them. Okay, so we have the granulosum, the spinosum, the basale, uh, with their own characteristic, but it's important for you to remember that the stratum corneum, that is the outermost layer of the epidermis, okay, is full of 20 to 30 layers of keratinocytes. And we know that keratinocytes, they have what? Do they have uh, nucleus? No, they don't have nucleus because they are filled with what? with keratin, and it's good for our skin because it's, this is the way our skin turns impermeable, and on top of this, we're gonna have what cells giving color around? Melanocytes, and we have melanin, this pigment. Okay, so we are good in that. Um, blood vessels at the level of the dermis, this is very important, the receptors of the skin. Certain diseases, guys, in certain diseases, uh, the patient, they don't have, you know, 
even infectious diseases like leprosy, for example, they cannot appreciate or discriminate this kind of fine touch, crude touch, pressure, vibration. Okay, they lost, they, they lost the, the, this sensation, the discrimination of this kind of sensation. So it is important for us to remember that at the level of the dermis, we have free nerve endings. Free nerve endings that are uh, in charge to um, collect, for, for example, the nociceptive, nociceptive stimulation. And nociceptors are the ones that stimulate when we are having a pain, okay, nociceptors. So we have the Merkel disc, we have the Meissner, and they are in charge of discriminate the touch, okay? The hair follicle as well, remember that the arrectopili erect the hair in certain conditions like cold, emotions, uh, uh, touching, etc. Then Pacinian corpuscule, they are so important because they are collecting what? They are collecting the sensation of vibration and pressure. Pacinian corpuscule, they look like uh, Italian mafia. Okay. <laughs> Pacinian corpuscule, remember, they are in charge of the transmission of vibration. Got it? Professor, but we have proprioceptors too. Yeah, but later on, later on. Yes, we have proprioceptors in the skin. We have in the joint, we have in the muscle. We're gonna talk about this when the time comes. And we have Ruffini ending that um, discriminate the stretching, the stretch, okay, of the skin. So, talking about the accessories of the skin, we have the pilosebaceous gland, we have the sweat glands. All of these glands are exocrine glands, okay, exocrine glands. And we have, as accessory um, appendages of the skin, we have the hair with its characteristics and distribution, okay, the coarse one, the vellus one, where they together or how or when they, uh, this hair is, is gonna turn, I mean, uh, a, a little bit thicker and uh, hyper with uh, more color, you know. So we have the nails as well and all the anatomy of the, the nail, okay? This is a cross section over here and uh, what else? The distribution of the villous hair, the terminal hair, hair the sebaceous gland, is important when we address a patient that is a teenager, that is having a, a problem with something that is known as an acne, right? And uh, we need to differentiate between the primary lesions of acne and secondary lesions of acne, because Primary lesions are the one that characterize a disease. And these primary lesions appear 
on a previously healthy skin normally, okay? So what happened over this primary lesion turned into a secondary lesion. What is this? I have a pimple and I scratch, 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 scratch. So I have excoriation over the primary, you know, over my, let's say, uh, vesicle or a bulla, okay? I was scratching my vesicle on the skin. So now this area is red inflamed with all the characteristics of inflammation and looks like uh, some um, loss of skin, right? That means we have an excoriation, like uh, a cat, when the cat just, um, oh my God, scratch you, okay? So, thank you. So you have a, a hole over there, right? Understand? So, primary lesions appears, they on a normal skin, previously healthy skin, they are a consequence or they are a demonstration of a certain alteration of disease of the skin or a systemic disease because I'm not going to enter in pathologies because this is for the fall, but the skin can demonstrate you a lot of things that are happening in your patient and you don't know yet. Understand? Like endocarditis, like uh, malnourishment in many times, you know, even that the hair, the nail, hypothyroidism, the texture, when you palpate the texture with the finger pads of your hands in a patient that is having hypothyroidism, the skin is rough uh, and the, the moisture is telling you that the skin is dry as well. Okay, then can you imagine a patient that is having um, a rash, okay, because a rash uh, can be, you know, you, you see the rash, you can, you can describe the rash, and uh, as well, you're gonna notice the distribution of the rash in the, in the patient. Different kind of rash represent different kind of systemic diseases or proper skin diseases. Understand what I'm saying? Beautiful. So, uh, what else we have? We have, um, remember that sebaceous gland, they are, they are nice because they are producing sebum and in the sebum we have uh, proteolytics or if you want to say bacteriolytics substances that keep in order the microbiota on the skin, okay? So we have the sweat glands, the eccrine gland, the one that uh, mostly controls the temperature of the body by dissipation of the heat, and we have the apocrine gland, the smelly one, the one that makes you use 
deodorant and go to a bathroom before the, or after an exam and wash your axillary region. Yeah, I mean, the health history, what is, what is this happen? Oh, uh, the patient are looking for uh, any help and come complaining for maybe hair loss or maybe I have new lesions on my skin or maybe my freckle, I have a freckle, a couple of freckles in my face that are turning weird. I have a very dark spot on my belly, a very dark spot on my shoulder or my arms, you know, all of these kind of things. And those are normal complaint or uh, daily complaints of the skin. When this happens, you need to perform what type of exam? A comprehensive skin examination because you need to check everything. What happens is the majority of the patient, they don't have anybody at home that check their back. And believe me, the sun is punishing what? The shoulders, the back, when, when we go fishing or when we go swimming or when, when you have a, a patio and you need to do agriculture during the weekends, you know, and you wear your, your sport bra and you feel free in the patio, you will need to use a little bit of sun screen protection, right? So if you don't have somebody looking at your back, if something appears, nobody is going to tell you that. If you have any lesion in the front, in the anterior part of your body that you can visualize in the mirror, and you're worried and you go complaining of this new nevus, of course, the dermatologist is going to conduct and the PA working as a dermatologist is going to conduct a comprehensive skin examination. Understand what I'm saying? Are you good? And it's going to measure the, lesh, the lesion. It's going to see the characteristic of the lesion under a uh, dermoscope. I have one I can, I'm going to share with you uh, tomorrow in the lab. So after I went to this park, I have this itchiness all over my body. Or when the month of April is blooming, I start in having all of this itchiness in my body. Or when I eat this, when I drink that, when I use this perfume, when I use this lotion, etc. A new grow on my skin, okay? A lesion, a new thing. So my hair, is falling, uh, no, not in my case at this point. I have a lot of nail changes. Uh, the nails in my toes uh, are, you know, thicker and they have, uh, you know, um, uh, certain kind of material that I haven't seen before and they are turning green. I don't know, those are complaints. So open-ending question. A patient that is coming to the dermatologist, do you notice any changes? Since when? Um, by any chance, 
did you notice when these changes just started? Is the first time you have this? Oh no, I have them all removed. Uh, I had them all removed like uh, six years ago in my back, and they told me it was a basal cell carcinoma. You know, uh, this is the way to conduct it. So, uh, technique of examination. What is the plan here? We need to examine the skin in the same order every time. In this way, you cannot skip any point of examination. Have this in mind, guys. I'm going to inspect the skin of the face, the neck, the trunk, the upper limbs, lower limbs, anteriorly and posteriorly for any nevi, scar, lesion, discoloration, inflammation, or tenderness. Yes? Huh? So, behind the ears, very important, in the web areas, ask your patient to raise the arms and check the axillary region. Ask your patient to sit, and when your patient is sitting, you're gonna check the sole of the foot. Okay, the sole of the feet, sorry. And ask your patient, spread the toes, or you yourself spread the toes and inspect between these toes for any lesion. Understand? So this is the way. Professor in the book says, sitting first, standing first, then. Uh, guys, don't make uh, a problem with this. It's, it's a logic way to inspect the skin. Ask your classmate to stand. Stand. Who wants to be my model? Come. Okay. Ask your classmate, your name is? Areli. Okay. Ask your patient, can you stand uh, facing me? I'm going to check the skin for bum, bum, bum. Inspect the skin for this, this, and that. Anteriorly, the face. Behind the ears, I'm not touching my patient yet. Behind the ears, can you raise your arms? Axillary region, anteriorly, stay. Uh, you can rest, thank you. The neck, right? The chest, posteriorly. And I ask my patient to sit. Have a seat, no, we're here on the table. Be unprofessional. Okay, sit on the table, and you don't need to go and scroll on the, on the floor. Can you please let me see the sole of your feet, the other? And can you please open your toes with your hands, or you open her toes as well. But do not forget to wash your hands after that. Always wash your hand before and after the examination. And wash your hand during the examination as well. 
because you are, that's why now I don't need to, you know. And let me see the palm of your, okay, and spread your fingers, beautiful. And thank you so much. And I was checking, I mean, afterward, we're gonna palpate the skin in the same order. The face, the neck, the chest, the arms, the legs, anteriorly and posteriorly with the palm of my hand and my finger pads for tenderness and lesions. And then I'm gonna go with my dorsum to check the temperature. What is the objective to measure the temperature? It's true, it's not in the book. All of the things I'm telling you, the, the majority of them, they are not in the book. They are omitted in the book. But you need to learn this in this way. It's in your, in your PowerPoint. Okay, this is very important, yes. No, we leave this for the head and neck. I, I told you at the very beginning of the lecture. Yes. We're going to leave the conjunctiva, we're going to leave the aura buca mucosa or aura mucosa for later. Thank you so much. So, are you good with this? Then we're going to continue this inspection because we haven't finished, right? We're going to inspect the nails, right? We're going to palpate the nails. Not only the fingernails, but the toenails. Everything, yes. No. No, just focus. Remember, medical history for your um, homework, when I place the homework in uh, a blackboard. In the meantime, what you have in the rubric, and there is what you're gonna do. This, uh, remember the, um, the, the skill log is for you to be evaluated. Remember that? Then we need to know by memory from number one to number 16 at this point. Next week is gonna be number one to number 25. No, number 20, uh, number 20, no, number 73. Why is that? Because it's everything, okay? So, the lesions of the skin are much, more, much better uh, ex examined in a, in a natural light. Something that never happened, but is highly recommended. Professor, how come we're gonna learn that by memory all the lesions of the skin? Guys, everybody has an atlas in their office because it's very difficult. Not only that, you can check on the net about the lesions of the skin. Understand? <clears throat> but you know the basic. You need to know the basic, right? So dermoscope is one of these uh, things that we use. Mine is not like this, it's different. But I'm gonna show you tomorrow, okay? We're gonna use uh, this LED daylight type light, it's true, you know? And uh, you're gonna see the 
the lesion magnify a little bit. Some other dermoscopes are very professional and they have the dermatologists, they have them in their consultations, in, in, in their offices. So uh, you, don't, you don't need to touch like, like her. It's just the fact that I want, I want you to see this, right? I want you to see this because when you're inspecting, you don't touch your patient, okay? Inspection, you're using your eyes. So inspection, if you want to palpate a lesion is different because now I'm palpating the skin of my patient anteriorly, posteriorly, the, the face, the neck, the everything. Understand? It's not difficult, right? So um, you see here we have like a, like a nevus in the, in the border between the skin, the thinner and the thicker skin. This could be a, a worrisome point to check it out in the future or do a shave or take it out. Okay, the important here, the, the thing that I want you to grab is the, the way you need to inspect and palpate the skin of your patient. Diseases are coming. They are in the corner in September. Don't rush. What we need to determine, yes, we need to know what is a primary lesion, what is a secondary lesion. Uh, okay, but at this point, forget about wheels or, I don't know, pain figure or no, no now. Okay, no now. So, um, always talk to your patient, explain what you're doing, respect the privacy of your patient. Use a chaperone when necessary or when your patient asks for, okay? We need to palpate the skin for the moisture, the temperature with the dorsum of the hand, the texture, the mobility and turgor, and the lesions. Why I use italicize, I italicize this, this part? Because we're gonna do this when we address the examination of the head and neck, again, at this point, we're not gonna do this. When examining or inspecting the skin, we're gonna look for areas of discoloration. Discoloration means that could be an area of hyperpigmentation or an area of hypopigmentation, okay? And as well, we're going to assess the skin for redness, pallor, okay, cyanosis, jaundice, uh, yellowish color of the palm of the hand and the sole of the feet and the rest of the skin except by the sclera in the case of carotene. When you eat a lot of squash or carrots or when you're feeding a baby with this, you need to ask a question. What about the diet? Don't go farther. 
What about the diet? Make sense? You, you don't need to go away. In the other quiz, we had a question, guys. A question that says, this person was a person that went to the office because his wife was way, very, very worried he was losing a lot of weight. Okay, and you had uh, option A, B, C, D. One of the options says, have you been vomiting or have you been? No, guys. This question belongs to what part of the interview? General survey. What do you ask in general survey? Uh, did, did you want to lose this weight? Are you on a diet? Do you, by any purpose, lose the weight? This is the question. Because vomiting, diarrhea, whatever, belongs to what? Review system. Review system. That means if you don't read your book, uh, this way to, to, to find the rational is going to be, you know, difficult. Understand? Beautiful. So here happens the same. So what is the diet? Mom, how are you, are you feeding this, this, this little one? How are you feeding the, oh, it's a history of liver disease or, no, go straight ahead of the personal history, right? So uh, oxyhemoglobin is the, when we have, uh, we studied this the other day, when we have a, a, a beautiful saturation of oxygen and the skin looks like uh, pinky as well as the conjunctiva and the fingertips and uh, even the the capillary refill is normal and so and you know the um, uh, uh, reduced hemoglobin we know is kind of bluish if we have a person suffering from cyanosis that means and I'm not telling you but from now we need to know what cyanosis is it's a bluish color okay bluish color then cyanosis is separated into peripheral and into central. And as well, uh, we have another classification of, of um, cyanosis. But what is important at this point is that circumoral cyanosis, circumoral cyanosis is telling you about central cyanosis and peripheral cyanosis, you can see it in the tip of the, <laughs> of the finger and the toes. I'm not telling you that this is absolute. Understand? It's medicine. So, central cyanosis could have as well fingertip and toes uh, cyanosis. Okay? But, let's Let's leave it by now. You have in the, in the base of this slide, you have an explanation and so that you can go over if you have time. So lips, 
oral mucosa, under the tongue, central cyanosis. Okay, if it's a neonate, neonate, we know that there's cyanotic and so non-cyanotic cardio, uh, cardiopathies they, uh, they born with, but it's not the scope at this point. Um, sometimes a person is having a reaction when touch, touching something that is cold, like in the case of rhino phenomena, and so it's not the moment in the future, okay? Jaundice, very important how to determine the jaundice. Jaundice versus carotene pigmentation. Jaundice, sclera, guys, sclera, okay? Has to do with bilirubin, okay? Liver problem, for sure, okay? I mean, a lot of other situation, but essentially, Billy Rubin situation, I, uh, uh, you know, around. So uh, we're gonna see this uh, uh, yellowish color, and and this yellow is not just yellow, and that's it. it. Has different tonalities, and so depending how this jaundice occur or where we have the obstruction at this point. So. The scalp is gonna be palpated. Remember, we visual or inspect the scalp for um, all of these masses, lies, nights, uh, needs. Uh, sorry, uh, scaliness or uh, dandruff, and we palpate the scalp, the scalp as well for the contour of the scalp. Any masses on the scalp, any breakdown on the scalp. We're gonna separate the hair. We're gonna check the hairline, okay? What is the hair pattern at this point? The texture of the hair, we're gonna check in two places, different one, okay? So, uh, in palpation, the moisture is gonna tell us how the, the, the skin is dry, is sweaty, it's, it's like a sweaty, um, uh, uh, skin or, or maybe oily skin. Uh, the temperature, you're gonna compare, remember medicine comparison, you're gonna compare areas where the temperature is, is uh, elevated respect to the other areas. Uh, the, mo the texture, roughness of the skin or smoothness of the skin, we need to use the finger pads, okay? So mobility and turgor will lift the skin and with the prompt, how prompt? The, the, the skin return to the, the position. This is gonna be a good hydration of the skin, a good elasticity of the skin, okay? It's a, a good mobility. But when you have edema, you cannot take a fold of the skin. You cannot pinch the skin over there. Like in the case of lymphedema, after a mastectomy, for example, when they remove the lymph nodes in the axillary region, okay, these people, you cannot take a pinch of the skin in this area because it's edematose. 
Okay, and the skin is like uh, stretched out at this point. You cannot pinch, okay? And the target is telling you when uh, you take a tent like this and the skin return back, that means the hydration of the skin is good. If the skin remains tenting, this happens mainly in senior citizens, dehydrated senior citizens. In the case of babies, when they are dehydrated, they have a sunken, um, oh my God, fontanel. They have sunken eyes. Adults, they have sunken eyes as well. Okay, so tenting skin means dehydration. Okay. So uh, this is Torger. A little bit of Torger is in your book. A little bit of Torger is in your book. Torger is very important, guys. Check the Torger of the skin in a patient that is vomiting, having diarrhea, fever. It's essential. You need to check the Torger of the skin. Even though in the chest, in the hand, in the dorsal of the hand, Okay, so uh, if you see a lesion, you're going to describe what the lesion is, how many lesions like this the, pa the patient is having, in which area of the body, what is the size of the lesion, what is the color of the lesion, what is the texture, if the lesion has a texture of the lesion, what is the shape, is it regular, if the, the, the same color all over, or different color one side and the other, or if it's uh, asymmetric, okay, bluish, uh, blackish, with blood sometimes, it's not a good news. We're talking here about melanoma. We use A, B, C, D, E, and sometimes F for classify melanoma, okay? So danger signs, A, B, C, D, E, like asymmetry, A, asymmetry, irregularity of the border of this lesion, color variation in the same lesion you have, color variation. And there is a history, the majority of the cases about this lesion. Was the, this lesion was like this always or changed a little bit or any itchiness on this? You know, the configuration and the diameter is very important as well, and the elevation and enlargement. Uh, we talked about this already, the flat lesion, they are not palpable. It's something that you can describe, like in the case of maculis and patches. You don't palpate them, but you see them. If they are hypopigmented, if they are hyperpigmented, they look like uh, the map of Japan, or they look like the map of Cuba, or they look like the I don't know what, okay? But you don't palpate them. What is the characteristic of one respect to another? A macula is a little one respect to the patch. Patches are bigger than macula, okay? Raise lesions, something that you can palpate. 
And on top of this, you're going to appreciate a lot the description of what you're palpating. So, papula, they are tiny, little bit, and bulla are huge. Have you ever seen in the, in the net or uh, somebody that you know uh, got bitten by, by a brown recluse spider? A huge bulla they had after being bitten by this, this brown recluse uh, spider. I hate spiders. I don't like them. Not at all. Oh, okay. So fluid feel, this and that. The, the vesicle is leader, happens or appears, for example, in shingles, uh, in these uh, herpes zoster lesions. They are tiny little vesicles, one after the other. Bula is huge, yes. Sorry? Yeah, some, some um, lesions of the skin are solid.
This is factor not monitor of liver cirrhosis or other hepatic insufficiency. Okay? So we have the in the nails as well. How brittle the nails are, what is the coloration, what is the discoloration, non-lunules, yes a huge one. Okay? How we have, for example, inflammations on the nail plate or hyponychia or paronychia, you know? And of course, we need to perform something that is known as a shrub or a shrub rot. Okay, what is it? You're going to ask, you see in, in, the, in the paper test, check the nails for plumbing and cyanosis. You're gonna check the nail for cyanosis, inspect the nail for cyanosis, and ask your patient to do this, to do this in every single nail, putting together all of this. If you don't see, Shane break like the diamond, <laughs> this is not. You need to visualize when you ask your patient to place the fingers together, you need to visualize a diamond shape between these two nails. That means the angle is good. What top clothing represents? Uh, I don't want to enter in this abnormalities, but clothing, you know, at the end of the distal places of the body, the capillaries, uh, at the distal place are very fine. And we have a lot of them. Because it's a distal place. Then we need to transport rich oxygen uh, blood till the end. Make sense? So in certain diseases, what happens is the oxygen doesn't reach that part and our body is making an adaptation. That means the finger peaks and that the, the tips of the toes that are going to hypertrophy in order to permit the capillaries uh, or make more capillaries, neoformation capillaries, in order to uh, transport the uh, proper amount of oxygen in this area. Some people, they burn with clothing. Okay, some people they born with clubbing. Uh it, it depends. But mainly pulmonary diseases, in uh, cardiovascular diseases, uh, cancer of the GI, liver cirrhosis. Red bound patient, we need to move the patient adequately with the help of uh, one of the person in, in the area that could be a CNA, nerves, we need to check where the prominence, bony prominence are. What is this? Occipital bone, the scapula, right? The coccygeal area, the greater trochanter, because some patients they are just uh, running on the, the cubitus laterale, the heel, 
long flow is interrupted, interrupted in this area. That is going to lead to a ischemic condition, and in the future, it's going to lead to a necrosis of the tissue. Make sense? So, um, uh, this is it. Right. Any question about how we're going to approach the examination of the patient? Are we good? So, take a break. Oh my God. <laughs> Take a break of 10 minutes and we're going to go as far as we can in the next lecture. Thank you so much. Yes. Papillary refill belongs to the peripheral vascular system, but you can when you are checking for cyanosis, when you're palpating the nail, you can say, I'm taking my time to check that for capillary refill, fingernails, and toenails. And you need to do it in all of them. Oh, it's normal. Yeah, but we have time for that, I think. Okay, the head and neck. In the head and the neck, we have a lot of things, right? Right? We have a bunch of things, and as you see, we have 18 learning objectives. Why is that? Because we need to inspect, we need to palpate, and we need to assess the cranial nerves while we are assessing the head and neck. Make sense? For that, we will need to understand the surface anatomy of the head and the face, mainly the head of the face of my patient. At this point, we are not going to talk about headaches, just the normal, okay? How we gonna do the or perform the examination of the head and the neck of my patient. What is in the head? In the head, we have the eyes, the nose, the ears, the mouth. So, over there, we have senses, right? The sense of hearing, cranial nerve number eight, that is vestibulocochlear nerve. The sense of smell, that is olfactory nerve, cranial nerve number one, the sense of C, okay? So, is cranial nerve number two, that is the optic nerve. The sensory, sensory is what we're gonna check the first. Is, is how I want to open this lecture. And it's very important. The special senses, the hearing, the olfaction, okay? The, the, the vision. So, every time we're gonna check the eyes, we're gonna start by checking the visual acuity 
make the network for the anterior part of the circulation of the brain. Uh, they both internal part of the artery, the right and the left. It is very important for us to remember that these internal carotid arteries are given an atomic artery. Why? Because we, we need to take the fundus bobby or the, 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 the fundus of the eye of our patient, and we will need to make sure that we distinguish, you know, arteries from veins. And how the characteristic of these eyes are, let me talk properly, arterioles from venules because they are very tiny structures, right? So, uh, at the level of the neck, as you see here, the neck is beautiful. Anteriorly located, the most superficial part of the neck on surface is the skin. Make sense? And then if we remove the skin and the fascia, we're gonna find muscles. And anteriorly we have the trachea, right? Behind the trachea we have, or posteriorly located to the trachea is, hello, hello, the expert in anatomy that I heard the other day, when you present yourself here, that's how we do Okay, so the trachea that needs to be midline, needs to be midline, is one of the things you need to inspect. Trachea of my patient is midline. Okay? What are the structures that jump in front of your eye from the, the anterior part of the neck? We can say the thyroid papillae, mainly,
in every single physical exam. You miss a leave node, this person, this patient, could die. If you don't find a leave node that is around there, that is not painful, that is hard, that is in between the spectroplasm of toys, and because you don't know how to assess the deep cervical chain, you cannot find this, this leaf node. Oh my God. If you don't check the supraclavicular lymph node, how come you're gonna know if your patient is compromised or not? So, lymph nodes, inspecting for pain in the lymph nodes is a constant in our physical examination. It's crucial in our physical examination. Of course, when we start the, the head uh, and, and neck examination and so, we inspect the thumb, and uh, we talk about this in the other lecture. Uh, in the thumb, we're gonna check for needs, for lines, for masses, uh, for color changes, for areas of uh, alopecia. For example, alopecia means we don't have hair in the area. Okay? Then the face, we're gonna look at the face of the patient and see the expression. And we know we do this during what? Our general appearance, right? So the contours and porphyrity plan enlargement, right? And of course the color, the pigmentation, the head distribution, the beard, and all of these parts of that. So, um, those are the, the regions. Guys, if you see this is technical. After you palpate the scalp. What is the next part you have? You jump or fall straight ahead into the eyes. Okay? After the eyes, you have the ears. After the ears, you have the nose and let them all relax. Right? What is the last thing we're going to perform here? Accessory cranial nerve, the cranial number 11. Okay, the accessory. This is the one that innervates what? Huh? The trapezius and what else? Penopredomastoid with the trapezius are nothing and vice versa. So, you cannot forget this. Trapezius and penopredomastoid. Okay. The nasal region, temporal region. Okay? Orbital region. Zygomatic region, the malar region too. Malar region. Mandibular region. Maxillar region. Okay? And the mental region, the vulgar region where the mouth is. Where is the mastoid process where the petrol portion of the temporal bone is located? It's behind the ear. And this is the tragus. You see the tragus over here of the ear? Let me, um, okay. 
we are regular, let know. The polls are regularly notes are located, if you find them, in the mastoid process behind the ear. Okay? Posterior cervical chain of lymph nodes go to the line of trapezius. Anterior cervical chain along the line of the sternocleidomastoids. And for the teeth, we're going to relax the head of the patient and we're going to grab the sternocleidomastoids and find between my calves and it leaves no in this area. And we have the occipital, okay, as well. We have the maxillar, the, sorry, the tonsillar. We have the submandibular, we have the mental, we have the supra and infraclavicular But just orienting yourself, we have um, disorientation, uh, your the base is good in that, uh, but the problem is there is a voice uh, talking, 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 and you don't hear what the, the, the person performing the physical exam is, is doing. But anyway, guys, when you go there, you're going to see a tiny little PDF sign on the upper right hand side of the screen. You can download yourself the whole thing that happens during the meeting. But you need to use it. If you don't use it, you know. Okay, so the anterior part of the, uh, of the neck, this is very important for us to understand when we are inspecting and palpating. Just for, your, for, for, for us to not palpate in an area that, that is wrong. Okay? For example, look at the area for the thyroid gland. Okay, over here for the thyroid gland. You need to go over the thyroid cartilage. Okay? Most likely is close to the sternal notch. Okay? Around here. And the now marks, the thyroid cartilage, external humeral vein on the left and on the right side, sternal platomastoid muscles, the thyroid, the trapezius behind, the subclavian air artery, the clavicle, So what do we have here? Sternoplatomastoid with two bellies. This is the insertion of the muscle. Okay, remember, when they contract on the right, my head is going to move the left and vice versa. Okay? When they contract all of them together with the trapezius, we're gonna flex the neck. Flexion of the neck. This is the hyoid bone. Over here, the right lobe of the thyroid, left lobe of the thyroid, and the isthmus located medially thyroid loads. Got it? Okay? Um, 
all of these bacterial parts of the eye with a tumor, the posterior, behind the lens, we have the vitreous humor that shapes the eye and keep the, the, the retina in a proper place, okay? We have here the, if you want to say the eye is, uh, uh, is having, for example, the sclera, this whitish thing that covers the whole eyeball, and anteriorly is going to turn transparent, and the name of this is Forty. Okay? The name of this anterior part is Forty. Got it? Conjunctiva is lining the inner part of the leaves and the whole place where the eye is. Okay? The whole orbit where the eye is. This is the conjunctiva. It's protecting the eye. It's a new pulse membrane. Okay? So, anteriorly in the leaves, we have the meibomian gland. Remember that every hair has a sedative gland. Okay, in this case, we have meibomian gland. Uh-huh. And a tarsoplate secreting this beautiful substance that gives you this special, I don't know, right in the eye when you're in love or when you have a bug in your eye. Okay, so, uh, we have the eyelashes. Of course, when you describe after you perform the ritual activity, we're gonna inspect the eyebrows, eyelashes, okay? The conjunctive on the square of the eyes of my patient. So we need to make sure that we're changing all these parts. Uh, this is a little bit more. Here we have the lens, a ciliary body, the suspensory muscle, the shrimp canal responsible for the normal circulation of the anterior uh, that gives you when it's closed, closed angle glaucoma when it's not to close open angle glaucoma. So the posterior chamber, remember, is still with vitreous humor. This is a frontal view. We have the lens over here. We have the iris with this color. Iris and is closing and opening innervated by parasympathetic and sympathetic. And I want you to tell me what happens when we are under a sympathetic stimulation respect to the amount of light that is going to enter through this pupil? How the pupil behaves under a sympathetic stimulation? Beautiful dilation. Because you need to see everything around. Come on. Oh. All the light in the world. Oh, when you're resting and reading and do whatever you want at home after a feast, your pupil contracts. Because you're resting, you don't need that sympathetic. And this is crucial to understand in order to know how to treat patients that suffer from glaucoma. 
You have another line? I consent to contract. Okay? You stimulate the right eye, or the left eye in this case, and the right pupil is gonna contract, and you're gonna perform this to the other eye as well. You're gonna measure the pupil size. If one pupil is larger than another or smaller than the other, this is known as a anisophoria. Anisomastia, when one breast is bigger than the other. So if we have a pupil dilated, is midriasis. If we have a pupil constricted, is meiosis. Okay, meiosis versus midriasis. We need to check all of this. So, vision field by confrontation. Okay, we're gonna ask my patient all the time to look forward and do not move your eyes or your head. And you're gonna check and explain your patient that I'm gonna wiggle my fingers and please tell me in where you see them. But you cannot move your eyes or your head. And you're gonna start at the level of the forehead, right? Start again at the level of the ear and at the level of the neck. Wiggle your finger and your patient is telling you where you are checking for the field. This is a visual field by confrontation. Okay? Both eyes, eyes at the time. All of these with the eyes, guys, always ask the patient, look forward. You're not gonna move your head, you're not gonna move your eyes, right? But now, we have the six extra, because you need to check the the extra ocular muscles as well. And for these, I'm checking my patient for the dreaded nerve number three, four, and six. Those are oculomotor responsible for innervates the majority of the extrinsic muscles of the eye. Oculomotor, we have as well the number four or troglia, right? And we have the number six or abducens. And you have all of these, you can read by yourself. The levator cardiera is the pregnant number three. Pregnant number three innervates the majority of the extrinsic muscles of the eye. How are we gonna do that? We're gonna stand in front of my patient and at the level of the nose, I'm gonna grab my pen and ask my patient to follow the tip of my pen wherever I move it. And you're gonna draw an edge like this. You cannot see the square. The eye needs move completely, follow the movement of my pen from here and make that. In 
your patient is able to close the eyes. The lip lab in certain diseases, the, the lips cannot close completely. Okay? So this is the lip lab. What else you gonna check? You're going to check for accommodation and convergence. What is the concept behind checking accommodation? Remember the sympathetic and parasympathetic thing? You're gonna stand in front of your patient and at the level of the nose, you're gonna ask your patient, please look at the tip of my pen and then you're gonna observe the patient's eyes. You, you, you are not looking at the tip of your pen. <laughs> you need to check on the patient's eyes. Because by asking your patient to focus on this tip means that the pupil of your patient is gonna move in this way. Constricted or dilated?
sustain life as well with the tubule size. So, tubule size.